0: You know how it is when you go to a new restaurant the first time. If it doesn't really, like, ah, this is a little different for me, go back another time. You may find something you like. So I always tell people to, if you are visiting today, give it another chance and come and just check it out, Uh, especially on a normal weekend when the pastor's here some of the team are not going on vacation. So I think it'd be a great, great opportunity for you in true life. So wow, true life, this is my first time in the new building. Uh, This is really nice. This is great. Um, Big, big differences, big upgrades from where you guys were. And I remember uh, probably it's been, well, it's been probably last year. I remember walking into this building with Pastor Brett for the first time and uh I, we kind of snuck in here it was still the, the the moose lodge and somebody opened the door and we just kind of snuck in right behind him and uh he was scared to death i'm like ah don't worry about it so we snuck in here and was looking around and then wow look look what god's doing and look what he's about to do and uh, i encourage you as a church those of you that call this place home uh, it's always uh, a stretch when you're building when you're moving when you're changing and you're growing. Uh, I want to encourage you to lift up your leadership in, in prayer um, statistically, okay? And I don't believe this is has to be a statistic here. But statistically, when, when pastors go through a building project, um, 80% either deal with some type of close to a mental breakdown if they don't, and most, some of them uh, go on sabbatical afterwards. So I want you to know now, he's on vacation, he's not on sabbatical, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> But I want—I say that to tell you to really pray for your leadership. Uh, there's a lot of decisions that are constantly having to be made when you when you build buildings. We just came through a building project ourselves, and man, it was nuts at times of trying to get it together. Uh, and I want to encourage you to to pray for your pastors, lift them up, encourage them when you see them. Let them know that you love them. Let them know, hey, that was a great song. That was a great. That was a great sermon. Even if it tanked, just tell them it anyway. I'm kidding. But 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 encourage your 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 pastors because. It's a a lot of decisions. It's a lot of decisions. Not counting the spiritual side of just being the pastor and leading and guiding people. Um, And also, uh, stay faithful in your giving. Stay faithful in your time. Stay faithful in those things. Because the reality of it is, if we get too concerned, this ain't my sermon, but if we get too concerned with our hands on the plow, we miss the true beauty of the harvest that we're preparing for. There are people in Marion that need Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. I need his presence. I need his power. I need his forgiveness. I need his salvation. And I want to encourage you that if you as a church family here will keep gathering around, pushing forward, there'll be there'll be things that you may never see as on this life on earth. But one day God's going to say, Because of what you gave, because of the time that you uh, you showed up early to set up the table, to put those donuts in that little bowl. It may not look like a lot, but it's a big deal when it comes to the whole picture of what God's trying to do through true life in Marion. And I want to encourage you. A matter of fact, I want to even applaud you for where you've come and what you're doing right now in just a few short years. Come on, won't you thank God by thanking those that are giving and your leadership here today. Well, again, I'm, I'm very glad to be here. Uh, I think you've heard my name a couple of times already. I'm Adam. I uh, on, was on staff for about nine years at Storyside Church in, in Belleville, Ohio. And um, I am thankful to be here. I've known your pastors for a couple of years now, going on a couple of years. And uh, just excited in what I sense what God's doing here at True Life. I have a, a message that I want to speak to you just for uh, a few moments, and it 's uh, titled it The Power of Perspective. Can you say that when me say the power of Perspective Now, those of you who heard me before i 'm a participation minister, so the more you talk the lo- the less long i am so So if you help me out then i 'll shorten my message i 'm kidding, but i mean it 's kind of true, but whatever um, if you don't say nothing, then I don't think you got it yet, so I just keep saying it over and over again to somebody. Thank you, sir. Yes. <laughs> but I want to talk about the power of perspective. Perspective is something so vital in our life. It's, it's one of the greatest tools that we get to have as human beings is perspective. It's, it's a tool that will either propel us in life, or slow us down. It's a tool that will either open up doors for us or it will close the doors in our life. And, and and it's important that we understand what type of perspective that we should have. Now there's a word called perception, and that word perception it means an awareness of your senses. So, if you have a good perception of things, then you're aware of surroundings. I'm aware that there's an edge right here, and I could fall three feet right now. If I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't aware, then I could get in trouble. So, perception and perspective a lot of times go hand in hand. Now, perspective is how we view life, it's how we view church. It's how we view relationships. It's how we view God. It's how we view our money. It's how we view our time, our talent. And the right perspective is vital for living a victorious life. Your perspective will control if you will be a happy person and a content person. Your perspective will establish if you will be a wealthy person and a healthy person. Your mindset, your perspective will determine if you will leave a legacy of significance in your life. Dr. Dave Martin says this, he says, change your mind and you can change your life. When you have a healthy mindset, when you have a healthy perspective of life and your spiritual life, your physical life, you will see the value of serving. You'll see the value of giving. You'll see the value of your time, your talent, and your treasure. When you have a real understanding and a true perspective, a healthy perspective, you'll understand that even though you don 't might enjoy it now, but getting up and running a mile every day will actually it will extend your life a little longer and cause some problems not to happen in your life right You know that with a healthy right perspective that putting back a little bit of money and savings uh, over time and in making better investments in your life that you 'll when you get to that age of retirement, when you get to that age to slow down, you'll be more well-adjusted to live the rest of your life, right? You understand that when you have a right perspective of prayer, then when you get up, and even though you don't feel like it, even when you're tired, even when you're frustrated, that if you could just take a few moments, even if it's five minutes, and just think on God, pray and thank God for what He's doing, that there is benefits to your life when you do those things. Going to church. Being faithful, volunteering, letting go of bitterness, letting go of strife. But that's all based on the way you view and your perspective of those things. See, we have a power today. We have the power of perspective. Have you ever noticed when you have two people and, and they see things differently? One can see a situation as a problem. The other person can see it as an opportunity. Let's make it even personal. Have you ever met people, and one person can look at that person as someone that is a distraction, as something negative? And another person can look at that same individual and see them as someone with potential reminds me of a joke where a, a mother was going to her daughter because she was concerned about the guy she was dating. And he was tattooed from the neck down, ear piercings all over, smoked cigarettes. And, and she said, honey, 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 and grabbed her to the side and said, he just doesn't look like a good man. She goes, mom, what are you talking about? He's right now, he's serving over 200 hours of community service. He's a good man. Some may say perspective. It's how you see a thing. It's how you view a thing. And it determines your future. We live in a culture today that is constantly debating over perspective. You have a right side. You have a left side. You have the way they view marriage and the way that two different groups, how they view marriage and what marriage is and and about a life pro-choice. And it's constantly fighting and dictating and fussing and arguing on our news feeds and our Facebook feeds. It's a constant battle of perspective. Am I right? Should church do this? Should church do that? Why do they do this? Why are they saying that? Why would they act like that? And it's a constant view of fighting and turmoil over perspective because if you really can listen to both sides there are some truths to both sides and if you're not careful where we can get into a moment in our own life viewing the world viewing people viewing church viewing god our relationship with god if we're not careful we'll find ourselves clinging to people that have the same perspective as us but still missing Truths in our life. There's a statement that says perception is reality. I talked about perception as an awareness. Perception is a a reality. It may be a reality, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. It doesn't mean that it's the truth. If, If we're not careful and we don't have something, let me say it this way, if we don't have something to judge our perspective to, then it's easy just to join up with you because you see it the way I see it and they don't. And here we walk around in life still missing out, wondering why God hasn't or why this hasn't changed or why this situation, I'm still struggling with it, I'm still dealing with it, I'm still going through it. But maybe it's because our perception hasn't been brought up to something that is a higher perspective. Let me show you. Right now in this room, ladies, all the ladies in the room that are ma- or married or in a relationship, I'll, sh- I'll show you what perspective is. Here we go. If right now they started walking in and giving a huge bouquet of flowers to you, and when you opened up the card, it was directed from your husband. There's going to be two trains of thought that go on through your head right now. It won't, most of the time won't be, oh, he's so kind. Look at him just giving me a big old bouquet of flowers. The first thing, some of you in the room, you don't have to admit it. You don't have to raise your hand. You're going to go, what does he want? Or what did he just do? Perspective. Perspective. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, above all else, what's it say? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, let me ask you the question What does guard your heart mean? What does guard your heart mean? What does that mean to guard? Does that mean that you that you, you, you get defensive and, and don't let some some things come into your mind and oh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk to them I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna go there and there's nothing wrong with setting boundaries in your life but it, but it, but coming from a defensive side of oh guard your heart oh I don't like that oh I don't like them oh I'm not gonna talk to them I'm not gonna read that I'm not gonna watch that uh 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 well I believe guard your heart is this. Because if we're not careful, if we push everybody away, then who are we ministering to? Who are we reaching out to? Who are we loving on? Who we, if we're not careful, because the church has a, sometimes we have as Christians, I should say, we have a, 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 an attitude of pushing people away that we are in our perspective here, but you're not like us. When God has called us to be those that go out into the world and reach the world and reach those that are needing Jesus, needing hope, needing help. This is what I believe guarding your heart is is I'm going to take every motive Adam has, every attitude, every thought, every perception and perspective, and I'm going to put it against the Word of God. Because when we have a true measuring stick of truth... When we have something to judge our motives, it may make make sense in our head, but does it make sense in the heart of God? It may make sense for the situation that we're going through to make ourselves feel better, but does it make sense when you compare it to the Word of God? The Word of God is the very measuring stick of how we should view life, view people, and view ourselves. And oftentimes the struggle that you and I have is not that we don't know that it's truth, it's just we don't see it the way God sees it. Is this too deep on a Sunday morning? The issue that Adam has, I don't know about you, but what I have most of the time is not that I don't believe God's word is true, it's just I can't quite see it the way he does. I don't get it when somebody hurts me and truly takes advantage of me that God says you must forgive them. As a matter of fact, just don't forgive them. Pray that I bless them. That don't make sense to me at all. Am I the only one just taking the mask off? I want them to burn. <laughs> right? Do we not feel like that sometimes when, when offense comes, when, when, when trouble comes, when, God, I give my tithes, I've given, and I'm still going through this. But yeah, but you won't watch your budget. How can I bless you if you won't just watch your budget? That's a tough one, ain't it? God, I want my healing. Well, then you stop eating sweets. Come on. I've had those talks with God. All those are things I've actually asked God about. And when you ask good questions, get ready for good answers. It's not that we don't believe that God's word is true. It's just I can't hardly see it for the way he sees it. And so I need God to do something. I need him to give me a shift in my perspective. See, you're in a fight You're in a fight for your life. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for your freedom. You're in a fight for your children. You're in a fight for this nation. And sometimes we make it about things that's not. But the true fight is really right here in our mind. It's right here where the enemy loves to put doubt and put fear and insecurities and, and tell you that God ain't with you, tell you that God's not for you. And it's right here in this mindset that it says, oh, you deserve better than that. They shouldn't have done you that way. And if you're not careful, you'll start seeing things. Because it makes sense because you look around and your perception starts showing up what your brain's thinking and what the enemy's putting into it. And before you know it, you're defensive. You're offensive. You only can see it one way. You don't ever listen to the other side. Before you know it, your life becomes smaller. When God promises us if we live generously, he'll make our world bigger. You're in a fight. There's a story in the Bible in First Samuel chapter 17. If you don't know the story of David, I encourage you to go home and read chapter 17 and the few chapters after that. I'm going to paraphrase the story just for the sake of time today. And in this part of the story, if you're familiar with David, you've, you've heard this, but David was uh, a young boy in this time in the story. Uh, they believe a young teenager. He was a guy that stood out In a field, because his dad made him do it, and he watched a bunch of sheep. But in that field, he learned to play and be a skilled musician, and he learned to worship God. He built a relationship with God, and God empowered him with a good perspective of his life. So so much to the point that it says that he even killed a bear and a lion to keep them, as a young teenager, from getting his sheep. He had that much faith to believe in God. And some theologians debate. Some theologians debate that they believe that David could have been a stepchild or a child out of wedlock because of the way the other brothers always treated him. And so it's debatable that he could have been a left uh, an outcast or or someone a run of the family, someone that they just mistreated. He was looked lower there to the point that when they called to, to Jesse's house, that's David's dad, to get a king. They didn't even think about him as one of the candidates, as king of Israel. And here we find in the story where Jesse tells David as he's out in the field to go take some food in chapter 17 to your brothers who are on the battlefield. How many's familiar with David and Goliath? Okay, so that's where we're at. So David gets on his donkey, starts by Taco Bell, swings through that late pickup, goes down, meets all his brothers on the battlefield. And this is what's funny. When you read this story, it's actually like, wow, these guys really didn't like David. They didn't look at him like, sweet, I'm starving. Give me my food. They were like, dude, what are you doing here? Why are you being nosy, David? Get on back to the field. Get on back to your sheep. He's like, chill. I'm just doing what dad told me to do. But in that moment, David gets up to the battlefield, and he hears this giant called Goliath. And he literally was a giant of a man. And he was taunting Israel, making fun of God and the God that they served. And then this moment happened that that's very unique, that David all of a sudden was like, whoa, who does he think he is? This, this, this confidence rose up in David. When I read it all the time, I'm like, God, I hope, I pray, I long for that kind of confidence. And the more I begin to study and watch this story of David, that he stood up and said, who does this guy think he is? Who does he think he is? And this is where David really takes it to a low blow. And I mean low blow like under the belt. All right. He gets up and he goes, who? does this uncircumcised Philistine think who he is? Does he come here defiling the armies of the living God? Now I don't know if David knew that when he opened his mouth that it would put him in place and standing in front of the king of Israel to the point now that he's got a slingshot in his hand ready to fight this giant. But all I know that there was some kind of shift that had to happen in the middle of a field somewhere sitting with a bunch of sheep playing his harp and worshipping God because if he was in, maybe he wasn't in his right mind, but if he was in his right mind, just like all those other men standing around the, 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 the valley there that were more qualified, that had more experience, they, had more, they were warriors, they, were, they had the armor on them, he had a slingshot. But there was something in him that rose up this faith, this confidence, because he understood one thing. I'm not alone. You know what needs to be said and what people need to understand in this world right now? We see suicide rising like crazy. We see drugs on the rise. There's so many things, and I'm not here to talk about the bad because I believe God's grace is greater. What I am going to say is they need to know what they're really looking for, what they're really searching for, is they have to have a perspective to understand they're not alone. Today in this room, I don't know what you're dealing with, and maybe you've told yourself, I can't make it. I'm not going to, i be good at this. Man, I, I don't know if I can take any more. I need you to know you are not alone. David understood he had the advantage. David understood that if he knew he was one thing, he was connected. Somebody say connected. You ever plugged your phone into a charger? Obviously you have. Or even as you call someone, it makes the call. How how do you know, that outside of hearing the person on the line, there's some type of connection that's happening, right? You may not see it, you may not feel it, but there's some type of connection that hits a tower somewhere that shoots it to where it needs to be. And sometimes in our life... You may not feel like you're got, you have the advantage. You may not see like it's, you know, you're, you're in the advantage here. But I need you to understand something. When you line yourself up with God and you get his perspective on things and you begin to move your life and change your life into situations that line up the way God says and what his perspective of life is, his perspective of your life is, I promise you, even though it don't feel like it, even though it don't look like it, there is a connection and you have the advantage you have the advantage perception perspective is the key to power David wasn't stronger than those other men he didn't have the experience and he he just chose to see things differently and he realized his connection let me ask you this today Because I believe David was convinced. Spoiler alert, David kills the the giant, okay? He kills him. He was convinced of something. I want to ask you, what are you convinced of? Are you convinced this trouble is too hard? Are you convinced that it's never going to change? Are you convinced this is how it's always going to be? This is how my, always my life has been. This is how Mama did it. This is how Daddy did it. I guess this just how we're going to be. What are you convinced of? Won't you ask yourself the question right now? What are you convinced of? What are you telling yourself when God's in the background saying, "Don't look at it that way. Don't see it that way." Is your problem too hard? Is your sin too strong? What are you convinced of? Is that giant too big, David? That's what the other men said. He's too big. He's too big, David. He's too big. I'm not fighting him. He's too big. What giants in your life have you said is too big? I remember an old Southern preacher told me years ago. He said, they said that the giant was too big, but David said he's too big to miss. You must realize that no matter what you're facing in life, having the right perspective gives you the advantage. Having the right perspective gives you the advantage. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is what? Living in you he raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who what? Lives in the church building. Lives in the Bible. Lives lives in the microphone. Lives in the sound and the band when they play behind me. When I sing. No, He says that the Spirit of God lives where? 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 The Spirit of God lives in you and I. Don't you understand today that the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, the same Spirit that gave Him the power over authority, over demons, and over sickness and disease, it still lives in you and I. When we ask Jesus into our heart, immediately His Spirit becomes alive in us. You have the advantage. The problem is, what is your perspective? What is your perspective? You may not always feel. You may not always feel like it, but I remember a scripture that says that we are not moved by our feelings, but we are moved by what? Our faith. Our faith. I want you to say this statement. When you say faith, it until you make it. Come on, look at somebody right now and just nudge them just a little bit. Wake them up this morning and just nudge them. Say, say faith, it until you make it. Why can we face it? Why can we face it today? Because we realize our connection. We realize that what we're connected to, that this isn't my own power. I may have the power of perspective, but what that power is connected to is a greater power than you and I. It's a greater power than our government. It's a greater power than our bank account. It's a greater power than our own physical bodies. It is the power that still lives in us that raised him from the dead. When your perspective conforms to his perspective. When your perspective becomes his perspective. Let me say that again. When your perspective perspective, the way you view God, the way you view life, the way you view people, your finances, your health, everything about your life, when you begin to change your perspective and shift to the way he looks at things and the way he has designed things and his perfect plan and his perfect will that's written in his word to give us guidance, to show us what is truth, when your perspective becomes his perspective, there's nothing in heaven or hell on this earth, that can stop it. I want to say it again for those of you that still doubt me. When your perspective becomes His perspective, there is nothing that will stop the will of God in your life. Nothing will stop it. That's why the scripture says that Jesus said, Pray. And he will give your heart's desires. When you study that scripture, the true translation means this. Whatever you pray that lines up with his perspective, with his will, he'll to make your heart want what he wants. And you'll ask and it will be given to you. So I want to ask you today, maybe the answer hasn't come because your perspective is wrong your motive's wrong your attitude's wrong i know this is a tough on a sunday morning but i really feel in my heart to share with you if you want true freedom in your life and it's a day to day decision it's not that one somebody just makes oh i got the right perspective now everything's easy because situations come things change Your heart can change. And if you're not careful and you're judging it by, well, we're mad at pastor about this, and well, so is so and so, and so are they. And then we're just going to get in a group. Well, yeah, we're right, and now we're gone. That's probably still too deep on Sunday morning. That's a pastor kid coming out of me. If you're not careful, you'll miss God's opportunity to move in and through you if you don't watch your perspective. Now, if you'll give me just a couple more minutes as I'm about to close to tell you a story about when I was young. I was probably in third or fourth grade, and I uh, was on the school bus, and and I had to uh, be dropped off and picked up at my grandmother's house, my nanny's house, uh, because my parents got up real early in the mornings uh, and and worked another job. And uh, so I would get on the school bus, and this one particular time, uh, I was probably third or fourth grade. I had this kid named Matt that was picking on me. Now, I wasn't as handsome and as muscular as I am now. Back then, I was a little more scrawny. So, uh, I'm kidding. Um, and this kid was just picking on me. he hit me in the back of the head, and I'd tell him to stop. He'd poke me in the eye when i turn around. And he went on and did this two or three days. And, and one afternoon when I got off the bus, uh, my Uncle Daryl was there. He was, he was there at my grandmother's. He was just there. And when I got off the bus, I was crying. I was upset. And he said, boy, what's wrong with you? And I wanted to tell him, you know, this boy named Matt. He's picking on me. He's older than me. He won't leave me alone. And I remember, it felt like it was yesterday. My Uncle Daryl got down on his knee. And he said, come here. He said, tomorrow when you get on that bus, I want you to tell that Matt boy. And he grabbed me real close to him. And he put his fist in my face. He said, I want you to tell him when you get on that bus that your Uncle Daryl is going to be waiting when you get off the bus tomorrow evening. And I want you to tell him that I said, this is dynamite, and this one's steel. This one don't kill you. This one will. And I remember going home that night, and I'm in my bedroom walking around going, okay, how do I do this? I got to... I gotta pull out. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I'm mad. This is this is this is steel. This no no no. That's not how you say it. And I pumped myself up that night. And the next morning, I got on that bus, scared. And I remember sitting down in the seat, and it was like on like Donkey Kong. He came over there and just boom, popped me in the head. And he done it a couple of times. And finally, I got enough courage, and I stood up and said, "Hey." I said, my Uncle Daryl's going to be waiting on you when we get off the bus. I told him what you've been doing. And he told me to tell you this is dynamite. This is still, this one won't kill you. This one will. You know what happened? Everybody laughed. I mean... Think about it. I kind of drew the line in the sand at that point. I was still—I didn't know if Uncle Jim—I got uh, held over late for work. He—he he may not even—he might have even forgot. He might just been saying that made me feel better. You know, I didn't—I didn't know if he was going to show up. I was nervous, but I—but I—but I trusted what he said because he's never told me something he wouldn't do. And, 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 and lo and behold, that three o'clock bell rang. I got on the bus, and here we go. And we're driving down, and we turn on the county road 747, right by my grandma's. And when we pulled up to the edge of that driveway, I looked over, and there was Uncle. Daryl standing at the edge of the, of the drive. And Uncle Joe came in, and that door's popped open. I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, he walks up onto that bus, puts his foot on the step, puts his foot on the other step. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, and me and him caught eyes. And I realized at that moment what my connection was. He looked at me and said, Adam, are you okay? I look back at Matt. And I'll look back at Uncle Daryl, and I'll look back at Matt one more time, and when I did, his eyeballs were this big around. And I grabbed my He-Man backpack, and I threw it over my shoulders, and I walked down that bus line and went, I have the power! I want you to know today, and I'm being humorous, but I want you to understand that is a true story. I want you to know today, you need to understand that you are not alone I feel the Holy Spirit for someone here today, and you are connected. The devil's lied to you. He's told you you're never going to make it. He's told you that this sin is too big. You'll never quit. He's told some of you that this marriage is never going to work out. I'm never going to be happy. I'm, and, you've, and you've let that be an entertaining thought over and over and over and over again. And I want you to know he's told you you're alone, you're going to have to do this on your own. God, you already know the truth, that's why, and you ain't doing it, so God don't want to help you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I want you to know today you are not alone. And if you can line up with the right perspective, I didn't want to tell that boy this is dynamite because I didn't have nothing in me that could back it up that I thought in my own power. But what I was connected to, I had an uncle that was willing to get my back. And I want you to know even greater than any uncle you could have on this world, there's a God that loves you, that designs you, that has a purpose for your life, a calling in your life, a destiny for your life. And if you can just let your perspective line up with the right perspective that he has for you, it may take some change. It may take some sacrifice. It may take him some moments that you got to draw it in the ground and say, devil, not again. i never going down that road again. You will not have my life. You will not steal from me. You will not take from me. But I need you to know there is a connection that you have and his name is Jesus. The author and the creator of your faith. The beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the Bible says that he is the right arm. Your strong arm. Your fortress. Your salvation. He said that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. That I can do all things through Christ who makes me stronger. So right now when you hear my voice say those things, there's faith starting to rise up in some of you because you know that it's the truth. It lines up with the perspective of God. I need you to understand that you've got to talk to yourself sometimes. You've got to tell yourself sometimes. If you ever see me talking, walking in a corner, I'm not crazy. I'm just telling myself what God is saying about me. And I need you to know that you can't let the devil talk more to you than what you talk to yourself. You've got to stand up and declare the living word of God over your life because you know why? There's a purpose for you. There's a plan for you. Come on, that was a good time to clap right there. Come on, there's a purpose for your life. And if you want to see it come to pass, you've got to get in the right perspective. Your perspective is this. You're not alone. You got connect- you're got like the mafia, baby. You've got connections. You've got connections. Devil, don't come mess around with me. Don't put those thoughts back in my head, devil. I'm not even going to entertain it. I'm gonna shut it down. That's what the Bible talks about, casting down vain imaginations. Means rebuke every bad thought that comes in your head that's negative and derogatory that tears down your relationship with Jesus. Joyce Meyer says in her book, The Battlefield of the Mind, think about what you're thinking about. Don't let the devil run loose. Don't even let your own mind run loose. Get the right perspective. I need you to understand don't quit. Don't give up and don't give in. That giant might be taunting you down in your face. That, that situation may feel like it's taunting you, coming back at you. I need you to know you got connections. You have authority. Why? Because of Jesus. I don't know what your fight is today. I don't know if it's divorce, I don't know if it's sickness, I don't know if it's addiction, depression, self-worth, insecurity, but you're not alone. Offence. You're not alone. My last scripture is Romans 8:28, and we know that for those who love God, those that love God, don't just read the Bible, read the Bible. Those that love, what's it mean to love God? Just have his perspective. Have his perspective. It says, for those that love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose, his perspective. What is God's purpose in your life? His perspective. It's easy. For years, I was trying to figure out what's my, purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Yes, wherever his perspective says do, go. Sometimes your purpose in life is just being available. Whatever, God. Whatever you want me to do, God. Sweep the floors, preach the sermon, do the sound, put donuts in a bowl. Whatever, God. Forgive, love, smile more. Whatever, God. Whatever perspective. He said he'll turn it around and work it out for your good if you line up to his purpose, his perspective today. It may not feel good. It's a good statement. You may need to write it down and put it on your mirror and remind yourself it may not feel good, but it's working for your good. It may not feel good. Sometimes to get God's perspective... Makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes in your life, God will ask you, it's uncomfortable to give 10% of your income when you feel like you're already stretched. But I promise you, as a person that is very faithful in my tithing, that it's the very life that gives me hope, that I'm not here alone working my butt off every day trying to do something, but I've got a God that sees my need and knows how to give me instruction and knows how to give me wisdom to prosper in my life. I'm not alone. It don't make sense to forgive like we talked about earlier. It's uncomfortable to let go and submit. It's uncomfortable to, to give up that sin, get up that struggle, refrain, put up boundaries around your life so you're not tempted by it, to have accountability. And sometimes it may not feel good, but you've got to understand it's working for your good. This moment isn't about what God can do for you, but what God wants to do in you so that you can be able to sustain what He wants to do through you. One more time, and I'm closing. We're going to pray. This moment of shifting your mind and your perspective isn't about what God can do for you. It's about what God wants to do in you so that you can handle and sustain what he wants to do through you. What he wants to do through you. If you would, would you bow your heads over here all over today? I don't know your fight. I don't know your struggle. I don't know what's shifting that needs to happen in your mind. It may be as simple as just insecurity. That you feel embarrassed about certain things or you're not confident in certain things. It can be as complicated as a relationship and what's going to happen and how you view it and what your role is in it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just trusting God more. Trusting God more with your talent to volunteer or commit, your time, your treasure. I don't know what that fight is. But what I do want to say to you is that you're not alone. And you can handle this. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you. And if you would be so bold to just raise your hand and say there's some places that I need my mind shifted today. Thank you for those hands. There's some places in my life I'm struggling I need it. There's some places in my life that I know that I can only see it from one view. Thank you for those hands. And maybe you don't have the courage today even to raise your hand. I want to pray with you too. Jesus, what we need is to know and have the confidence just like this song is saying that you have never failed us and you won't. You won't leave us out to dry, God. And Lord, every person raising their hand, Holy Spirit, you said that you would be the comforter and you would lead and guide us. Right now, God, I think some of them know what to do, but they don't have the courage and the strength to do it. I'm asking right now, in the next few days, that they can retrain their thought life, retrain their mindset to think on those things that are good, holy, pleasant, acceptable to God. And God, give them the power. Let them know that the power that would raise Jesus from the dead is living in them. That resurrecting power. That power that they can overcome. It may swing back at situations. Life may take a, a swing at them. It may even knock their breath out. But that is not the end. They can give back up again. They can keep moving again. They can keep trusting again. They can keep giving again. They can keep pursuing more, God, that that is a lie of the enemy. And God, I thank you right now that your word says, greater is he that's in us, that's in the world. That we truly can do all things that make us stronger in you, Jesus. But this ain't the end. We still have breath in our body. We still have a purpose. We still have a plan. And by your power and by your spirit, God, we are healed. We are made whole. And we confess that In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. True life, as I get off this stage, something that I learned a long time ago is that God can be speaking to you what He wants out of your life. But what you say to yourself is just as powerful, if not more, than what God is saying to you. Moses, you're a deliverer. But I can't talk. But Moses, you're going to deliver the people. That's what I've called you to do, Moses. What you say to yourself, true victory is fought in one right here in the mind. And I encourage you today to do not let the enemy... Defeat you by putting doubt and discouragement in your life. There is hope, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that to me, would you just put your hands together and thank God? Amen. Oh my goodness. God is so faithful. What an incredible message this morning! Thank you so, so much. Um, We're going to take a moment here and give this morning, so ushers, if you would come forward. There are three ways to give uh, right behind me here, so whatever works for you, please do that this morning. Let's go ahead and pray over our offering. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. You are so, so good to us. Lord, I just pray blessing upon this offering. God, send it out to do what you have called it to do, Lord, and bless your people. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name.